The difference between having a great quarter, making your number, or reporting a bad quarter often comes down to the effectiveness of your sales team's discovery calls and demos. But how do you make sure your reps are doing the right things on their calls in order to finish the quarter strong? Well, introducing Gong.io, the number one conversation intelligence platform for B2B sales teams. Gong helps you ensure your reps are doing deep discovery calls and crisp sales demos by recording, transcribing, and analyzing their calls. And Gong allows you to understand how well your playbook is being followed and analyze how well it's working so you can constantly move the needle on your win rates. Now, if you request a demo of Gong as a result of hearing this message, you'll get a free ebook copy of my award-winning book, Zero Time Selling, 10 Essential Steps to Accelerate Every Company's Sales. So go to gong.io forward slash accelerate to request your no-obligation demo and get your copy of my award-winning book, Zero Time Selling. Again, that's gong.io forward slash accelerate, G-O-N-G dot I-O forward slash accelerate. So go there now and come back and enjoy today's episode. It's time to accelerate. Hey friends, this is Andy. Welcome to episode 541 of Accelerate, the sales podcast of record, where I hold in-depth conversations with today's leading experts in sales, marketing, and leadership six days a week. Now, join me today on the show, actually back for the second time, David J.P. Fisher. He goes by the name D. Fish, and he's a keynote speaker and author of a new book, Hyperconnected Selling, Winning More Business by Leveraging Digital Influence and Creating Human Connection. And we're going to talk about how David sees how sales, the sales process is evolving. And he, you know, he knows that a lot of people think that technology is going to be the death knell of sales profession, but, but he doesn't think that's the case. And he's, we're going to get into that and understand why he thinks that and talk about his new sales matrix frameworks and much, much more. So if you'd like to see the show notes for this episode, go to andypaul.com forward slash 541. There you'll find a timestamp breakdown of this and all conversations on Accelerate. So make sure you check that out. And if you're looking for new ideas, actually, about how to amp up and accelerate your sales, then you need to read my new report that I've written. It's based on the recommendations of more than 300 experts I've interviewed personally on this program, and I compiled their recommendations into a practical step-by-step guide you can use, their strategies, their tactics, again, that you can use to accelerate your sales today. So don't wait. Go to accelerate.fm forward slash accelerate to get your free copy of my report today. And before we get to David, just a quick reminder that today's episode is sponsored in part by the, our friends at Gong.io. Gong is a great coaching tool to help managers boost rep productivity by quickly analyzing your sales team's calls and demos. So check it out at Gong.io forward slash accelerate. If you do that today, you get a free PDF copy of my award-winning book, Zero Time Selling. So let's jump right into it. David Fisher, welcome back to Accelerate. Uh, so good to be here. So standard question I ask all my guests up front is you remember the last time I had a standard question, which is about, hey, if you were in charge of uh, turning around a sales organization, what things would you do the first week? Here's a new one for you we do at the beginning of the show. So the question is, in your mind, what's the single biggest challenge facing sales reps today? The entire landscape of selling is changing. <laughs> oh, is that it? That's that's it. I, oh, I think I that we are... Big. Oh, yeah, right. I mean, just a little thing. No, I think the biggest challenge facing us is the sales role is actually fundamentally changing from what it's been for the last, uh, I would say, about 30 years. And we are in the midst of a complete revolution slash evolution. So... Well, <laughs> it's, 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 I know it's, it's, well, so, it's just a little thing, but so, well, which one is it? Evolution or revolution? 
Uh, you know, that's a, a wow. Cause I always use both. I think it actually is, uh, in it's an evolution from the salesperson's point of view, but I think it's a revolution from the buyer's point of view. Uh, I think, I think the buyers are, uh, changing how they buy because of the access they now have to information, which used to be, uh, just in the realm of the salesperson that used to be what salespeople could provide to the process. But, uh, now if, if I have a smartphone in my pocket, I don't need anybody else to give me information. So that's, so I think, uh, it's, yeah, there you go. It's both an evolution and a revolution. <laughs> well, let's, that's what I think's happening. Okay. Well, let's, let's dig into that. Cause I maybe have some of my own opinions about some of that, but it's so in the book, you sort of upfront define a role called a sales Sherpa. And, uh, you know, I don't want people to think that's necessarily a derogatory term in the way that you're using it. It's actually a very, very positive term. So why don't you explain what you meant by sales Sherpa? Sure. So for me, uh, I really see the sales role, as I said, evolving and changing. And I think where, salespeople are going to find success is in becoming a guide for their buyer, for their prospect, uh, who is already on their own journey. Um, and as you said, it's actually a very good term. I, you know, the Sherpas uh, in, uh, you know, c- context of climbing Mount Everest, they're the ones who actually have been up the mountain before. They are the ones who know the the right paths to take, how to handle all the obstacles. They're the ones that actually take these, you know, people from around the world who are like, I want to climb Mount Everest. They're the ones that are actually helping them up the mountain. Um, they are the, you know, the, the ways um, that people who are relatively inexperienced at mountain climbing compared to somebody who lives on Mount Everest, that's the way that they can get up the mountain. So I think that being a sales Sherpa is really about um, helping your prospect understand how to process all of the information that they are getting uh, from all of these different sources and really helping them make better decisions. So there's there's an assumption in there, which I, th- I want to explore a little bit, which is that, and you state it pretty clearly in the book, is that uh, I think the quote is, today's prospects are... Uh, desperately seeking those who can help them make sense of a noisy, busy world. You know that somehow the the world is more the buying is perhaps more overwhelming and confusing than it has been in the past. And, and is that really true? I mean, there's there's and I ask this because uh, read a book and seen other research. This was you know highly researched book called Absolute Value mm-hmm. that makes the case that actually it's really never been easier for buyers to navigate through all this information, that, that the tools that exist, Google and review sites and so on and so forth, that that really make it easier for buyers ever than ever before to really get a sense of what the experience of utilizing the product is going to be before they purchase it. And in some cases, as you said, even maybe before they even engage with the vendor to talk about it. So, you know, I, I really see both. I mean, so... Sure. Uh, I mean, I, I sometimes think like we're... We're saying it's confusing and busy because, or and hard for them because we want to sort of justify ourselves. But I, I don't think they still need our help, even if they do have access to good information. Yeah, I, th- I think you're going to see a stratification. I think when a product or service is relatively understandable from a person's point of view, who's maybe a quote unquote a layman, um, yeah, they can go online and they can. Um, find information, they can make their own decision. But I, I do think that as a decision-making process gets, 
process gets more and more complex, we, we just don't know how to buy. I, I would actually even say something as simple as buying a, a plane ticket, right? Um, you can do that online now. And I remember when me and my wife went on our honeymoon to uh, um, Southeast Asia, and we spent hours and hours going through online sites, trying to figure out the best way. I mean, we didn't hire a travel agent. We're like, we can do this ourselves. Um, I think we got a, a good deal and I think we, we, we had a great time. So it worked out, but we spent a bunch of time, not only trying to figure out, you know, what are the best deals and what are the best, you know, routes to use, but just trying to navigate all the different options that we had. Um, and in this that's a case where, you know, if you think about a travel agent as a salesperson of that experience, um, they would have been able to probably save us some time, energy and effort. Um, I, and, and well, I do but, think, but, I, but let's, I don't want to draw a comparison in that case though, is, is compared to, you know, pre-internet days where someone was trying to mm -hmm. plan that itinerary to me, it's like, it's, you know, they could have picked up the phone. They could have, you know, gone through the old pages, called the airlines, 800 numbers and so on. To me, it's like, well, you know, the process itself actually is not really that different if you're mm -hmm. choosing to sort of do it in terms of the total options available and so on. Um, it really depends sort of how you want to do it. Absolutely. The access out to information is greater, uh, right, than ever before. And you're right, there is the ability for people, I think, to, if they um, want to, to access all of that inf information however they want. Um, that, I think, has improved. But I think there's also a lot of research that shows just because you have more data doesn't mean that you make better decisions. Oh, right? <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, it's, right. it's just the contrary, right? It's just to the contrary. Yep. We have we have no idea about the data that's being fed to us, what it really means, the context. Yeah, don't don't get me started. <laughs> right. I know. I know you've talked about that before, and I, I'm, and I think that's really where, uh, you know, the new sales role. I think going back 20 years, if a salesperson, their way in was to be the provider of the information. Now I think it's, you have to assume that they, that the customer has, or the potential customer in this case, has the data. They have the, the information in front of them. You're not going to provide value by saying, hey, let me give you some information. Rather, it's, hey, do you want me to make your life easier by helping you parse through this, by helping you understand what you're looking at? Um, that's, that's kind of what, it, it, what I see happening as we move forward, because if it really is a, a relatively simple routine process, I, I, I think in that case, you're not going to have a salesperson. I think that we're already seeing that, um, that type of sale move into a more automated online, you know, robo AI assisted process. Yeah. And we're clearly, we're going to see that in some dimensions, right? Heavily transactional products, there'll be a greater role for automation, you know, machine learning, AI, as you said, to mm -hmm. chat chatbots we're already seeing and messaging platforms. But yeah, at some point a person still needs to talk to a person in certain it, in certain market segments. And I think that it's not gonna be as few as people think. I mean, I don't think that we're gonna see the attrition happen as, as quickly as people think because and you make references in your book, and this human to human moment is is complex Th that's exactly right i think that you know we we spent a long time um developing this very human need to connect and to trust and to empathize and we're not going to get rid of that in a generation 
right? And the just the ability to know that the person we're working with is somebody that we can connect with on a human level. It's going to be a long time till I think uh, an AI chatbot is going to be able to uh, to take that over. So you're right. I, I don't think sales is going away anytime soon because it, that's that's something that's a, a deep human need, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, so sort of taking a step back then is, is you make the point in the book, and I think you're right, that, that sales professionals can't really force buyers into, I think you call it a simple linear sales process. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems to me it's sort of interesting that that's exactly what's happening in certain segments, right? Is that as we become more transactional and, and take you know elements of the SaaS business, for instance, sure. is that's pretty much what's happening is we are trying to force people into a very simple linear sales process. Yeah. And I, I, I might be the person who's saying maybe that's not going to really work long-term like, yeah, we're well, trying to force people into that, but uh, you know, if, if it, if it truly is linear, we can get a computer to do it. Well, but the thing that's sort of interesting about that whole thing and, and you know, I think it's worth sort of having a little you know, side conversation here is, is it seems to me that the issue with a lot of the processes and technologies we have is not that they're not useful, but that we don't put it to use in service of the customer. Absolutely. It's all in service of us as sellers. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the disconnect that's keeping, keeping the ROI on the investment in these tools suppressed for so many companies because it's all about us. And it's not about, okay, well, how does this great new technology help me help the customer make a quicker, better decision? Yeah, you're, you are so right on the money on that. I think that... That's why they pay me the big you, bucks. <laughs> right? That's why this is your show. Um, I, I, I think what's, what happens is we forget that every bit of technology that we have available to us is simply a tool. Right. It's a tool to help us engage with our customer. If we just are talking about the power of trust and the power of human relationships um, and that trust, I think, is actually what the uh, our ability to help our customers is based on. Right. If you Mm -hmm. uh, in the metaphor of the sales shirt, but you got to trust the person who's guiding you. Right. Well, in that Uh, case, so you have to trust them explicitly. Exactly. And so instead of looking at technology as this this panacea for everything we're trying to accomplish in the sales process, I think the people who are really being effective with it are going, my job is to have a more powerful human relationship with a person so they can trust me. So yes, so I can build rapport, so I can um, you know, show our value, so I can eventually get the sale. But how can I put all of these tools to be in service of that? You know, Even like Marketing automation, for example, how do I make sure that I have these automated tools to to stay top of mind with, you know, my my potential client versus sending out automated emails that have the wrong names, right? And so all of a sudden, my prospect doesn't trust me at all, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and you see that happen. So yeah, I th- I think it's going to be really interesting to see. Um, to your point, yes. The fact that we aren't harnessing these tools in service of our customers is exactly why we're not seeing a good ROI on some pretty amazing technologies. But yeah, we're just thinking that they're this this magic pill as opposed to just another tool in our toolbox. Well, so you made an interesting point in the book, and I want to explore is you say that the technology will 
be there to help us develop more, better, and stronger relationships with buyers. So how's how's the technology going to do that? You know, gosh, how many how many different uh, how much time do we have? Right, <laughs> we've got uh, I, eighteen minutes. All right, perfect. I I think a lot of the places we're going to see technology really kind of fit in is, for example, social media use. So whether you're talking about LinkedIn or Twitter or Facebook or whatever the new platforms are going to be, if you think about our ability to actually reach out and have a point of contact with someone, it's light years ahead of where it was 20 years ago, right? 20 years ago, you could make a phone call, you could send somebody a letter, uh, or just stop by their office, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so even just the ability to use some of these tools to maintain light connections with people. I mean, there's one thing I, I talk about a lot in terms of, um, building relationships over time. Y you don't have to be best friends with everybody, right? A stronger relationship doesn't mean that you've got thousands of, of BFFs, but rather you've identified a, uh, a network of people, you know, your prospects, your existing clients, maybe the people that influence them and you're finding ways of staying in touch with them, finding ways of staying on their radar, so to speak. Uh, that can be a very powerful way to have a more effective conversation. The next time you do pick up the phone or the next time you do run into them at a conference, right? I mean, even just, you know, you and I, you know, are connected via things like LinkedIn. So I see your posts, you see mine. If I ran into you at a conference next week, we'd have a much different conversation than if I hadn't heard about you in six months, right? Sure. sure. And so really looking at using the tools for just things like that can be so powerful. Um, using CR, like a CRM program or a marketing automation program, uh, like let's just even take look at CRM, just the idea of taking notes so that, you know, I can remember what I talked to you about <laughs> today, the next time I have a conversation with you in a month, uh, you know, outsourcing the human uh, memory in that way is another way that you can use technology to have a better relationship. Yeah, I'm I'm counting on that as a matter of fact. So as I as I get older, that'll be a great that'll be a great tool. All these I mean things I'm looking forward to. Like I can think, you know, when I'm well, I remember back to when I had to take the keys away from my wife's father, right? So I couldn't drive anymore. And I sort of projecting, hopefully, well, well, well into the future <laughs> when that's that's our case. But right. Yeah, but then there'll be autonomous cars. We'll just <laughs> on our phone or whatever we're using at that time is is we'll summon one. And hey, yeah. I mean, as somebody that uh, spends a lot of time riding a bicycle around major cities, um, that'd be great. I can't wait till everybody's in an autonomous car because then the drivers can all text and do everything they want. So, uh, yeah, technology is going to help in lots of lots of ways. I think one thing that's sort of related to that, though, that you bring up about the technology is it sort of increases the perception of complexity. And and I wonder, you know, isn't complexity really relative? I mean, we talk about life being more complex now. It's it, the buying environment is more complex for sellers. And I think you can look at several examples and say, well, you know, is this another one of these things we're just saying to make ourselves feel better for not doing well? <laughs> I'm so, so important. I'm so important. So if it if I'm not succeeding, it's because life is too complex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so we say, you know, life is complex. And it's like, seriously, you know, I can have anything delivered to me in the same day. You know, almost anything I can order through Amazon Prime. I, you know, does not say there's not complexity behind the scenes, but for me as an individual, comparing that to, you know, 100 and 
20 years ago, if you were living in certain parts of this country, is it was primarily agrarian. You probably didn't have you didn't have electricity. You were still powering your stove every day. If you had to cook three meals a day, you were, had a wood-fired stove. Uh, how'd you get your food? You didn't go to a supermarket to get your food. I mean, life was just more complex than it is today. Sure. So, I, uh, okay, so I, I think that... Uh, Everything is is a what's well, neither rel- good or bad. It's, it's, it's all it's relative, relative, right? It's relative, right? So that's what we're. Not, I don't think we're doing. I wonder whether doing sellers a service, and and I don't think we are when we say, yeah, boy, things are just so overwhelming today. You know, so every life is so complex. And I look at it and say, well, you know, it's it's really in a relative sense, it's really not. It's not to say well, it's not to say it's there aren't complexities to it, but. You know, we make more of it, I think, than it, than it really deserves to be. And I don't think we do a, a service to people by talking about it that way. But anyway, go ahead. No, I, I, th- I think you're right in that the complexity as an excuse doesn't really hold up. So, yeah, I would say that the world is more complex um, because we've created it to be complex, Right. I mean, if we, you know, especially if we want to look at a Western society in the United States, North America, Europe, sure, 100, you know, 20 years ago, it was agrarian society. You really spend most of your day just trying to take care of basic needs because I can go to, Am- I mean, I don't even have to leave my house, right? I can just go to Amazon and have them send me, you know, all the food I need, the cookbook to cook all that stuff. Uh, we then go, well, what's next? And and I think that that's you now that's a whole other sidebar conversation, right? Where we def- define how do you come up with meaning in a post-industrialized society? But I, <laughs> we, we got, I mean, um, writing that down. Well, that'd be a good episode to have, right? And so if we want to get really nerdy here, um, I, here's what I would say. I, I think you're right that we can say com- we can use complexity as a scapegoat, and that doesn't work. But I do think we can do just as much of a disservice by not uh, or by trying to say things are more simple than they really are. Right. Um, I, I think that as you, you actually nailed it on the head. It's all relative. So sometimes if we're in sales, for example, we can ask, am I am I making this harder than I have to? You know, I did have a uh, I remember an early sales manager of mine and I was really struggling. He's like. Okay, how many people did you talk to this week? And I was like, uh, probably not as many as I should have. He's like, okay, try try having a little more activity. Lo and behold, I had better numbers, right? You know, I was mm-hmm. I was trying uh, I was trying to make things too complex. But on the flip side, I think if we don't acknowledge that, you know, the world is shifting, and maybe we don't even know kind of how it is uh, shifting underneath us. So I think we're you know in the middle of um, an interesting time when, you know, over a billion people are on Facebook, right? I, I don't know whether that's good or bad. I don't know what that's going to do in the future. Nobody really does. But that level of connectivity has never happened, right? Sure. That, that, that person 100 years ago, you know, probably never left their neighborhood um, or knew really what was going on beyond it. So <laughs> and we might be going a little farther afield than just sales here, but I love that. Yeah, but let's bring it back to what the question though, is how does that make it more complex? Right? I think that what we do is we sort of conflate the complexity with the idea that, yeah, at night, sitting at home, what the hell am I going to stream? Right? It's just <laughs> too many freaking choices. Right. Boy, life is hard. Right? And it's but it's 
it's not in a relative sense. And it's, it's sort of the same thing with, you know, read all the time, people write, well, you know, it's harder to get in touch with prospects today than it was, you know, at some point in the past, quote unquote, the past. Yeah, not really. It, it's, <laughs> it's always been hard. It's not well, harder yeah. or easier. It's just hard. It's right? just different. Well, it's different. Maybe the the, well, the point the, I would make is that we conflate complexity and difficulty. Well, yeah. I mean, but I mean, think about it. A common story is, you know, you can never get anybody to pick up their phone. You're calling. Well, shit. Right. You know, I I started my selling long, long time ago. No one, <laughs> no one picked up their phone. Yeah, they all had secretaries, not admins. Right. They had secretaries, and and the thing is, you didn't get past them. And in fact, they didn't even pass the message on to the person. That, oh, no. you're, that you're calling. And so, and you'd had no email. You had no other way to get around them. Okay. Well, was that harder or easier than today? Because I didn't have discoverorg.com at my fingertips <laughs> to have direct right. dial numbers and emails and, you know, complete histories of all these people. I had no idea who that person was other than the fact that they were supposedly a prospect. And I, you know, they were in an the area that I was covering. I got out of the yellow pages. So, you know, was, was that harder? I don't know if it's harder, but it, it was hard. And same like today. I, mm-hmm. I don't minimize the the difficulty of cold calling. I, you know, I, I still do it. It's hard, <laughs> but it's not. Somehow, again, I would just throw this back to this issue. It's, it's like the whole industry sort of devoted to saying, yeah, it's so much harder today. No, it's not. It's just different, right? It's it's still hard. It's always been hard, but it's not harder. No, I think that's exactly right. It's different. And I think that is... I think it's harder if we don't accept the difference. Well, it's not true. true. Well, and I mean, that that fits for anything. But I I do think, you know, kind of to my point that we started with today, where I think we we are in a time of change and evolution. You I do think you see people trying to apply the solutions for 20 years ago to today. And I think that makes things harder. Um, I'll tell you one thing that people, in my experience, when I was coming up early in sales and we're unquestionably better at is building relationships. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean that's, that's, I, I think that's still a huge part of it. In fact, you know, kind of part of the reason I wrote this book was I was like, yeah, to, with all this technology, it still comes down to, as we were saying before, tools have a better relationship with someone because that's what you need, right? That's what builds trust. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, right. And can tools facilitate that, right? Because, you know, when I, the guys that had been sort of old timers in the place where I got started selling, you know, computer systems, mm-hmm. they knew everything about their customers. Right. Forwards right. and backwards. And not, not just personally, you know, wife and kids and so on, but about the business, what was happening in the business. They were locked in in a way that you rarely see. And that was all based on trust, right? Mm-hmm. And to your point, we now have all of these tools to help us do a lot of that, that work that, that, you know, pre-research or not even on the customer, just like if you were going to start selling in a new industry, your ability to become an expert in that industry is much easier and you can do it much faster. Right. Um, it's just, it's still just a matter of, are you going to put the work in, right? The, the most successful salespeople are going to be, it's just the same. If like, if you're going to put the, the time and energy and effort in, you'll be successful. Some of the activities I think are changing, but in the end, there's there's no shortcuts to success. 
And, and I think that is where you see people, uh, to your point about putting in technology and not seeing the ROI, if you just put in a technology solution thinking that that's what's going to make make people be successful without any of the effort, well, then you're kind of out of luck because that's not how things work. No, no. All right, so a concept you use in the book is you could talk about the hybridization of sales. So what do you mean by that? Well, so I, I do think that we're going to see a lot of the if a sales process truly is linear, if it's relatively simple, if it's easy to understand, I, I think we're going to see that going to to technology. Um, you know, the, the growth of Amazon is a great example, right? Sure. There, people don't necessarily, uh, there's no shoe salesman really anymore. There's Zappos.com. Um, I think you're still going to see the very complex um sales processes, you know, we're talking about the multi-million dollar long sales cycle, B2B stuff is still going to be the realm of, of really well-trained, highly um, skilled salespeople. I think somewhere in the middle, you know, I, you, you'll see first a stratification to those two, but there's still going to be some, some stuff in the middle where you're going to have salespeople that have to be able to acknowledge that a, a buyer has already started their journey. They've already got a bunch of information, but then they have to like figure out how they can be the person that helps take that customer the rest of the way. You know, mm-hmm. an example I would use is, you know, selling a home. If you're, if you're a real estate agent, I don't think real estate agents are going away anytime soon, but as opposed to, you know, 20, 30 years ago, somebody didn't have a ton of information. Now I can walk in, you know, if I want to buy a home, I've done the MLS searches. I've got, you know, Zillow.com, you know, results. Mm-hmm, I've got mm-hmm. all this information. And so in those roles, I think for the salesperson to be successful, the more they can, gosh, it goes back to what we were just saying, focus on relationships, focus on becoming a trusted advisor, becoming the person who helps the person not, you know, understand how to make a good decision, right? Not only based on the information, but maybe helps them through the decision-making process because they don't do it a lot. Uh, I think that's what we're going to see. And that's kind of what I talk about those hybridized roles where we see, again, uh, a low, not, a, I shouldn't say low end, but a kind of a, on this one end of the spectrum where people are just going to buy online because they can get the information. They can feel comfortable making that choice. You can see the really hot, top shelf, expensive, long sales cycles, still have those one type of salesperson, and you're going to have those hybrid roles in between. But one point you make in the book, and the last question we have time for is, is you say that in that middle bracket, that the sales will increasingly resemble sort of the higher end, more complex sales. Well, yeah, I I, I I mean, it sort of seems seems a little counterintuitive. So just wondering what you saw there. Yeah, so it, it is a little counterintuitive. And the reason why is because I think those people in the middle, uh, it used to be they could just be information providers. Um, they could, they didn't really have to be as consultative in the past. Um, but now because that, inf- as you said, it's so easy for people to get information mm-hmm. and to show up uh, in the quote-unquote sales process really well-informed. Uh, if if the only value that hybrid salesperson can bring is, you know, information providing, then they're, you know, or order taking, they're, they're going to struggle. Um, so I do think you're right that they have to kind of take on some of those aspects of what might have been considered a, you know, a, lo- a long-term consultative seller 10 or 15 years ago. Um, they have to, they have to really be able to, to dive into the sales process and walk people through that um, maybe in a different way than they had to in the past. 
Yeah, well, I agree. And I think that you had brought this point up in a pre-conversation we had had is that that more than ever, and I think we'd agree on this, is the the need for people in sales to, and I don't want to say run scared, but to look over their shoulder at what's coming and make mm-hmm. sure they're taking the steps to continuously improve themselves, right? And yep. in multiple dimensions, you know, themselves as as you know, an expert in their customers, an expert in the product and services they're selling, as an expert in how to build relationships, how to connect with people, and you know, the fundamental selling habits that will help them, you know, open an engagement with somebody more effectively yeah. than they could in the past. You gotta always, yeah, I said, it's not a matter of running scared, but but the future is coming. So you need to look over your shoulder and say, yeah, how do I still maintain my relevance? In the face of what's coming. It, it, that's exactly right. And I think a big part of it, I, I, I wrote an article recently that's that was titled Soft Skills Have Hard Effects. And, uh, you know, I do think a lot of what you just mentioned is this idea of not only developing your knowledge of your industry, your knowledge of your customers, but also just how to engage with people, right? How to have good conversations, how to build trust. Um, I think there's a lot of skill to this. And so if you continually improve that, that part of, of your professional life, even as we go through these changes to your point, we're still going to have relevance, but it's, it's, it needs, it needs to be front and center on your, <laughs> on your radar. Cause yeah, <laughs> running scared, eh, maybe not scared, but definitely a little apprehensive <laughs> running apprehensive would not be a bad thing. Yeah. Um, Having, so, a, having a well-developed sense of urgency. Yes. That's what, what one, of my, one of my bosses always just tell me is, you need to make sure both you and the customer share that well-developed sense of urgency. So, exactly, exactly. All right, David, great stuff. Really enjoyed you coming on the show again. So tell folks how they can find out more about you and your new book. Uh, the easiest place to find me is online, uh, davidjpfisher.com. It's my home base for everything. Uh, the book is Hyperconnected Selling, Winning More Business by Leveraging Dig- Digital Influence and Creating Human Connection. It's uh, available on this little website called Amazon, both uh, uh, prints, di- uh, Kindle, and audiobook version. And uh, you can also just reach me on Twitter, dfishrockstar. Dfishrockstar. I love that Twitter handle. All right. Dfish. Thanks again for spending time with us. Friends, thank you for spending this time with me today. Remember, come back, join me again tomorrow for another great episode of Accelerate. Until then, really appreciate it. If you go to iTunes or wherever you listen to this uh, podcast, if you haven't done so already, subscribe, leave a review for Accelerate. Really want to hear what we can do to make this a more valuable experience for you. So thanks again for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. 